welcome to Credibly Curious. I'm Saskia. I'm Nick. And today we're here with Roger Peng, which is amazing. Hey, Roger. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's nice to be on a podcast and not have to do anything. Well, you are actually doing it. <laughs> well. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry for the bad quality of the last recording. That was all my fault. But Roger is here to teach me, <laughs> partly. Yeah, we're here at Studio Paint, right? That's right, yeah. i got to change the label in the office outside. You should. Yeah. Well, three more weeks, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so today we're going to talk about um, the tidyverse, which I don't know much about because I'm actually not... Um, someone who uses it very frequently, but Nick, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Tidyverse fan. Um, so the Tidyverse is, just reading off their website, it is an opinionated collection of R packages designed for data science. Uh, and basically, all these packages are just designed to work together very nicely. So this means that they have very similar styles of coding and they have a similar philosophy and grammar and, and data structure. So, you know, I, um, mm. I did a little exercise today, actually, okay, yeah. and I went to the R website. Yeah. And um, I'm just curious, just if you know off the top of your head, how R is described on the website? Yeah, it's, uh, it's not... Wait, was this the CRAN site? No, no, the, like the r-project.org. Um, I'm pretty sure it's something along the lines of you still don't really know what it is afterwards, right? <laughs> yeah. do you, do you, just, is it like something like statistic? Does it even say statistical software somewhere? So it says it's a language and environment for statistical computing and graphics. Oh. Right. I feel like that's pretty good, actually. Yeah, but it's interesting because like, I think most people would assume that the words data and analysis would occur, mm-hmm. or maybe data science, and well, but, somewhere in there. But, I mean, it was, I guess it was made before data science became a thing. But not so. before data analysis, though, right? No, yeah. before data science became it. So sure, yeah. maybe that's why it didn't mention it. And they probably never updated it since then. Yeah, wait, wait, so like was this Chuki, John Chuki coined a whole bunch of words around this. Like apparently he coined byte or bit. Bit, I think. Bit yeah. and yeah. I, I want to say software, but I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that might be a two, yeah. So was data analysis, you know, like I'm questioning everything now, right? Like it's software, it's like really? Okay, so like I think, the, word, I think was the phrase data analysis was... was in solid usage by like the 1990s. Yeah. 1990s, okay, yeah. all right, well, yeah. So I get, yeah, and I guess data analysis is what tidyverse facilitates or easier data analysis. I feel like it's all of it. Like it's like it's not just data analysis, I would say, I think. Well, it might depend on where you draw the boundaries for data analysis. Um, but hmm. uh, I mean, if, it's, if you're thinking just like kind of like statistical modeling, then no, it's more than that, obviously. Hmm. Um, but I, th- I would I would draw the da- the boundaries of data analysis pretty wide, though. So I hmm. think so the tidyverse does include pretty much all, of, yeah. or, or not. It it is involved in data analysis, all mm-hmm. all pieces of it, yeah. So. so I guess we could start with like how did everyone come about to learn about the tidyverse, hmm. and what did you use before you found the tidyverse? Sure. Um, all right, chronologically, Roger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is that because I've been using R the longest? Ah, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, and the oldest. Okay. Oh. So before the tidyverse, let's see, there was, so before R, <laughs> there was S+, but, you know, we don't have to talk about that. So um, 
I mean, I think it was the bottom line is that it was never like that. I think it's hard to admit this, but it was never really that easy to do data analysis, like data analysis or what we might call today, like data wrangling or data manipulation or, you know, whatever word you want to use in R. It was, I don't know, in my opinion, it was never really a language that was designed for those purposes um, because we already had software for those purposes. Um, and we had SAS, we had Stata, we had even Excel, Minitab, whatever, you know. And um, so if you needed to take a mean within groups of data, um, like we had software for that, right? What we didn't have software for was implementing like new and kind of fancy statistical methods, right? Um, you could kind of do that in SAS with their kind of matrix language and you could kind of do it in Stata with, they have a similar kind of matrix, matrix language and, you know, it wasn't that great. Um, so S plus was great cause they had this really nice language and R of course, you know, had a very similar language and it was great for kind of building new stuff. Right. So the, you know, so, but, but for data analysis, it was kind of like people just kind of did made do mm. uh, with what, with what there was. And I think, um, as R, so, I mean, that's kind of what was there before the tidyverse. And I think I found out about the tidyverse when we built this online program for in R <laughs> and like D flyer came out the week after we released it. And people were like, how come you don't teach Deep Flyer? And so, <laughs> so, it literally um, didn't exist. Because it, it didn't exist one week ago. Um, so um, anyway, that was my introduction by fire. But anyway, so that's kind of, I guess that, that was probably around 2013 or so. Yeah, mm. 2014 maybe. Anyway, so um, I guess, I mean, how, did, you, did you say how you kind of discovered it, I guess? Yeah, so I was given uh, I was given this book called the R book. It's like it's so big. If you dropped it, you'd like hurt your foot. Uh, and um, yeah, and I started with that, and that was okay. And then someone in our research group gave a talk on ggplot two, and I was like, that seems really good. Um, so we then had like a graphics workshop in our groups, so two days, and we just did data visualization and learned more about that. And so then I picked up on ggplot two, and then I started to focus a lot more on, um, so when you do other kinds of plots, you need to do certain kinds of data reshaping and wrangling. So learn more about that. Uh, and then I sort of saw that it was all mainly developed by one guy, Hadley Wickham. So I started following more of his work um, and then just sort of kept track of that, I guess. And I started to follow him on Twitter and GitHub and started to see that there were all these really neat things getting developed. Um, and then I sort of became the quote-unquote, like, the tidyverse person at the at our research group. Um, yeah. Did you convert everyone? Uh, it, like, it took, like, a couple of years, actually. It was, um, it was kind of funny. I'd be like, look, you can do this. And then, you know, some people were like, wow. And then other people were just like, but I can already do this with, like, my existing solution, so why would I change? Um, I think that that's a constant battle that you'll have. You know, yeah. people already have their way of doing it. And so how do you, like... How do you convince someone else that it's worth the investment? Um, well, that totally describes me, I okay. think. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. So, so how did you come to... Yeah. yeah. I, I think I haven't actually arrived yet is the problem. Um, I'm still a very reluctant DPI user. Hmm. I'm now teaching a tutorial at the user where I'll have to use DPI. So that's going to be um, exciting. Mm. Um, yeah. With, with very little knowledge. But it kind of worked out. We've, we've gotten there. But I guess, so I started learning Minitab at university mm -hmm. and I was also a reluctant R user because as a girl, I was frightened of programming. 
But then at some point I just kind of jumped in and I'm a complete autodidact. So I've never been taught a, like a single hour of an hour course. And so, um, yeah, so that means that, you know, once you kind of stuck in your ways, you also feel a bit reluctant to learn something new because you're like, oh, it took me so long to get there. <laughs> now I have to learn something new again. But I think with sort of, I've totally embraced ggplot because it just makes such pretty plots and it's so much easier. And that was because I had an excellent master's student who was producing these beautiful graphics and I wanted to be very much the same. <laughs> You're jealous. I was so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It, like, it's funny that you mentioned the buy-in because for me, I was using ggplot, but then I was actually doing a lot of my data manipulation in um, Stata um, because it was it's actually pretty good at that. Um and then, yeah, and then I, there was this ply uh, thing, and I was like, ah, oh, that sounds pretty good, but I just couldn't commit to it, and it was like, oh, I don't know, and then um, Hadley Wickham happened to be at a stats conference in Sydney, and I, I said this to him, I was like, oh, you know, I've been meaning to try this ply uh, thing, I just haven't gotten into it, and he said, oh, have you seen D-ply uh? It's this big, you know, D-ply, it's, uh, it's like way better. So, oh, okay, so that was like, you know, a, a big push but you know it's like a, I feel like it would have it, it would have been hard for me to buy it if someone else had said it like you know what I mean I actually saw him mm. in 2015 give a tutorial on dplyr at the USA conference in Denmark mm. and it was amazing because he was so fast with dplyr mm. like he did these live data wrangling exercises but there were probably over 100 people in the room so like it wasn't a perfect learning environment <laughs> in any sense yeah, yeah. Yeah. and I don't think I I think I had a standing seat and I'd come late to the tutorial mm -hmm. so because I was really jet lagged coming from Australia yeah so it really didn't work out and I sort of got the whole concept but I never I never got comfortable with I think mainly with the piping I've just never gotten comfortable with the piping mm. so someone like someone willing to explain the piping to me <laughs> I'm going to look at you, Roger. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say, there was like a, I remember a version of this um, long ago when, it, you know, people would, anytime people had to iterate over something, they would always use a for loop. Mm -hmm. And uh, because a lot of people came from languages like C and, you know, Java and whatever, where like for loops are this very kind of uh, canonical or kind of paradigm, right? Uh, and uh, and even though like the all the like the various apply functions had existed since the beginning, like a lot of people didn't use them because they were new. And only if you kind of like used Lisp like languages, which you know about L apply and all these other apply functions. And so I remember trying to get people to use these functions because they're not that they were necessarily faster, but they were like much more compact. Um, and it was like, well, I've got my way of doing this. Like, <laughs> why am I going to use L apply or something like that? You know. Um, so did you just say that apply and and that family is that from Lisp? Did you say? Or uh, well, the kind of the the the, the kind of the idea of like taking a function and mapping it over a set, mm -hmm. uh, you know, is like um, is a fairly Lispy way of doing things as opposed to like taking like a for loop or something like that. Okay. Um, so like so now you have like the map function and the reduce and filter and all those are very kind of like canonical kind of functional language kind of ideas, hmm. um, but. Um, but so even though LApply doesn't have that name, it's kind of the, the same idea. I think. Mm -hmm. So. But it's interesting that you mentioned that it's more compact, like LApply, which I feel is always the opposite of dplyr, really, because that's why I love the LApplies and just or LApplies or just generally the applies because they make your code so compact, and I like compact code because I'm lazy and I don't like typing. 
but Dplyr forces you to actually type more, I feel. Well, I, I feel like the, those two issues are kind of independent of each other uh, in terms of like using functions like lapply and using pipes like pipelines that are kind of like dplyr pipelines um i'm not sure they're they're maybe related but not really i think i just i think yeah. not related in terms of oh. what they do just in terms of compactness of code but the general concept of compactness yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. well i think that that's you have to trade compactness for expression i think so that'll be your um you can either write something that's super concise uh, and way less typing but it might be harder to understand the intent of the code. And I think that that's sort of the, the careful trade-off that you have, that the tidyverse is trying to make. It's like, it is more typing, but it's like, I don't know. I feel like that's one of its, its big things. One of the big things, I think, in the tidyverse is this the theme of having a functional way of doing things, applying a function rather than writing a for loop. Um, because it's compact, but it also allows you to express your intent or your idea, and you don't have to keep track of the... Uh, like the the bookkeeping parts of a for loop, say. But I, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with using the apply functions or anything like that. I think that they're really good. Um, and I think that the, the idea behind them sort of holds over. Like you want to be expressing the function that you're doing, but they just have a different way of doing that. Yeah, no, I think that that is a big part for people mm. that sort of the readability of your code becomes very nice and very understandable and error spotting hopefully is a bit easier mm. than if you use square brackets because square brackets make everything horrible and <laughs> your code looks awful so it's nice to get away from that i guess mm. um but when you sort of when you sort of grow up in that world where you think about matrix algebra and you think about the square brackets um it's it's a big step to sort of revert back and write write out these nice verbs back again. Hmm. Um, and then everyone assures me that once you got that, it's wonderful and you're faster and your code is better. I've just not gotten there yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's interesting to see like there's been a kind of a back and forth between whether compactness is good or not. Uh, and I think like if you came from a programming language like C... Um, then like compactness kind of wasn't really relevant because you'd write out all your code and then you compile it and then run it. And it was so like you wanted to make it as kind of in some way not verbose but as clear as possible, right? And then but I think you know later R it was very much and like SAS and like they were like interactive languages, you know. And so like you would type things and then stuff would happen, right? You didn't compile it or anything. So like working on the command line, you wanted things to be as short as possible, right? Because you wanted one line, ideally, right? And then, so LApply was the kind of thing that allowed you to do that, right? You had one line, you could express a very complex idea. Um, but then, because there were no, like, editors back then, right? I mean, people maybe were using Emacs or, you know, that was basically it, you know, the ESS, things like that. Um, but I think once Studio kind of came around, then all of a sudden we had, like, an IDE to work in, and it's like, oh, well, now we can write stuff out again, right? We can be more verbose and more clear because we're not, like, punching things in the command line. We're actually writing out code, kind of like, almost like back in the C days, right? And so um, so we can we can afford a little bit more complexity, so to speak, because in, at, for the sake of clarity, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> we can afford a little more verbosity, I guess, mm. for the sake of clarity, mm. rather than having to kind of jam everything onto a single line in the command line. Yeah, and you still keep the single line because you have the wonderful pipes that make everything you still yeah you can still keep it all in mm. one line and run it right and that's, that's true so that's kind of amazing about it that's i guess the ingenuity of this whole tidy verse 
Yeah, I think the pipe is super instrumental for making these functions work together as sort of like a, a like a unit, and you could have several functions tied together to do a particular thing. Um, it may be it may be worth pointing like kind of pulling out the pipe all by itself. Uh, yeah. Uh, from I guess originally from the Magritter package. Yes. Um, and uh, which I think is like it's a kind of independent kind of but very critical mm. development. Um, yeah. Uh, Do you know the like the story of the pipe? Well, like the I don't pipe? know. <laughs> okay, so so the guy who made it is named Stefan Nilsson Bach or Bach, um, and he's from Denmark. Um, and he um, so he was doing some consulting work, or he was working another job, and he was writing in a language called F Sharp. Um, and they have this pipe operator in there, which basically takes. Um, so you have say one thing, you have your data, and then you have a pipe and then you have some function. And so it basically puts the thing on the left-hand side into the first argument of the function on the right-hand side. Um, and he found that was a really useful thing. Um, and when he came back to using R, he was really missing it. So then he wrote this pipe function um, in R and sort of co uh, at the same time about um, Hadley and Romain Francois were also working on dplyr, and they had this chaining function, which was uh, percent dot percent and that was sort of going to be the way of doing things in dplyr, but then they saw this Magruder package, it was basically the same thing, and like was more developed, and so um, yeah, that's the that's Nick's short history of the pipe. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but there's a blog post he wrote, I think, on our bloggers about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah, do you think that explained the pipe? I don't know, like, it, yeah, like, no, like no, it, it's that, a weird thing. Yeah, you know? I think that does explain the pipe. Um, oh. So the pipe is obviously just one of many packages that is now in the tidyverse. We should probably mention that too. Mm. Yeah. So the tidyverse, I think, now contains, I think, on the R Studio website, it said seventy nine packages. That's a lot of packages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've mentioned a couple already. ggplot two is obviously part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, that visualizes your data, and um, there are plenty of tidy packages, tidy R, Stringer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that you need to, well, you're using to get your data into the right format. Um, we can talk about what the right format is in a second. Mm-hmm. And then there is a couple of packages that do model, sort of modeling mm-hmm. or data analysis. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think the idea with each of those is they they each kind of do a discrete or ish thing. They have like a, so ggplot is about visualization and dplyr is about the data sort of wrangling and then readr is about reading in data and that sort of thing. And yeah, I didn't realize there were 79. That's like a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a can, large can, number. Can you name all seventy nine? No, I don't think anyone. Can. I don't so think I even found a list. So, but that might just be me. You know. Turn into like a rap. Um, right. Well, it is, I think it is, there could be like an issue at some point in terms of just discovery. You know, like it, it's not possible for everyone to know all of the packages that are available and what their various functions are. Um, so, but I mean, that's true for all of R itself, right? I mean, nobody knows all the packages and, mm. and there's always something that kind of slips through your, the cracks in terms of your knowledge. There's probably also really specialized packages in there. So if we just think about loop with a that mm. performs um, transformations of dates, mm. that doesn't, like, it's super helpful to a lot of people, but there are certain communities that would just never use it, I mm. guess. Yeah. So bioinformatics being one of them where it's very rare that you come across dates. Sometimes mm. you do, but... Yeah, not all the time. Yeah, well, I, I think every now and again you kind of stumble across these sort of quote-unquote like universe of packages. So I think I remember, Roger, you said at one point you stumbled across the Microsoft universe of like the <laughs> yeah. like 
the databases or something like that where they have this whole suite or something like that? Well, they have, well, part of the kind of like the revolution, they, when they purchase revolution, they have a whole like parallel pro- programming suite and, uh, okay. and also, um, I mean, they have just have a whole suite of packages that do the mm-hmm. kind of do their thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just unaware of it yeah. Yeah, until recently. Yeah. So I guess the, the nice idea with the tidyverse is that it really closely mimics how we want to work with data. So getting the data into mm-hmm. um, a format where we can then easily analyze it and then sort of reiterate between analysis, plotting, mm. and wrangling. Um, and then hopefully the last step is communicating the data. But yeah, so mm. that's obviously also part of it, but we're keeping that for a separate podcast, that last yeah. bit. So... When key to all of this is obviously having this tidy format, hmm. um, and um, yeah, that definitely took me a lot long time to understand it, and then I tried to teach it to some biologists um, with uh, questionable success. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, maybe so. Maybe someone can explain what tidy data is. Sure. So it's um, every variable is in a column, and every row forms an observation. And each um, similar unit forms a table, right? Like each similar collection, I think. That's yeah. The, so yeah, each separate that? like, I guess each separate observation observational unit forms a different table. I'm I've always struggled yeah. with the last part. But yeah, it's this idea that the having it in that format then um, might be more work and might mean maybe some repetition of some columns or values. But the idea is that the the trade-offs of that is, like you were saying before, it then means it's much easier to do all these other things. Yeah, it makes mm-hmm. modeling much easier because it's already like laid out like you would need it to be laid out for any sort of statistical models to work really easily. Hmm. Um, so that makes it nice. And obviously ggplot2 um, requires this form hmm. as well. Um, yeah, it's really hard for students to understand, though. What's your experience with students and tidy? Well, I think they kind of... Well, they, I think they kind of intuitively get it, even if they don't actually get it. <laughs> uh, they kind of see it as like that, that's a logical way to organize data. Mm. Um, and I think in other contexts, they, they see like in statistics classes, they see like this idea of wide and long formats. Um, and so they're not totally unfamiliar with the idea. Um, but I think, um, and I think the, the, the tidy definition has a little ambiguity in it, you know, in terms of like, well, what's an observation and things like that. But for the most part, I think uh, my experience, at least people seem to understand it. And I think the important thing in my, from what I can see is that like, it allows you to do a lot of uh, complicated kind of data wrangling operations with the kind of limited vocabulary. Um, and so you don't have to have a lot of special cases and things like that. It's just, you know, you can have a couple of functions and in this format and then, and then kind of, assemble them in various orders and, and then you get a lot of different data man, data manipulation type of operations out of it. And so I think that's the, to me, that's the primary advantage. And, uh, and then also you can kind of dump them into model, dump the data into modeling functions. But, um, but even that I think sometimes requires things like, you know, like, like the reshape two package, or maybe like it's now like the tidy R package hmm. where you sometimes you do need to flip things from like wide to long format or whatever, depending on the type of modeling that you're doing. So, yeah. So I think the tidy format really, it just it just allows you a kind of a simplified approach to you know to manipulating data and kind of and summarizing it. I like it because it also gives a clear structure to what data should look like and should be stored. Like preferably, in my opinion, should be also stored in hmm. um, because it would be nice if my biologist actually gave me a tidy table rather than me having to wrangle it. But I mean, that's 
the perfect world is never going to happen. I think that like another thing that's interesting about the tidy data is so for me, so something that um, my friend Miles McBain pointed out is that every time you have a problem in ggplot, it's usually actually a data problem. Like you need to have the the thing you want in a column, and then once you work that out, it's sort of and so I feel like this whole idea of the tidy data feel uh, it feeds well into ggplot because it's like each you know each of the aesthetics in a plot form a variable and then so like that once you get that and once you get that that's like the mapping from the data to the graphic i think that's a really powerful realization um i think it also makes your analysis easier it's yeah. not just ggplot too where mm. that's an integral um, concept that you need to understand I think also for just statistics in general hmm. a lot of data sets that you get are not in that fashion but once you put them in there it also immediately becomes clear how you should be analyzing them I think yeah yeah I think that's definitely true and um, it kind of sh shifts the problem into a different into like a, maybe a more appropriate place I think hmm. um, also to what you said uh, Saskia in terms of um, giving a name to something that we we kind of we want people to put the data in. You know, I think it's nice to be able to have a, a formalization of this idea, be able to say, look, the data need to be in a tidy format. Um, mm -hmm. Not that necessarily everyone knows what that means, but at least there's like a, you can put a name to the idea. Um, and I think uh, it's important to have uh, that kind of formalization so you can say it. So, then you, so once they have that, then you can move on to the next step. And so. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's also why, I would prefer if we would actually teach newcomers to mm. our tidyverse rather than, I guess, torture them with base because for some of for some people that's real torture. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there, there's definitely conflicting opinions out there. I think. Mm. So, what's your experience with? Um, you were probably were you taught base? So I think I was pretty lucky. I I was taught base, but then pretty early on, within say six ish months I was sort of starting to use these like new tools so I feel like I didn't have the so like when I say six months this is at the start of my PhD so it sort of had um, you know like a more time ahead of me um, so I was relatively quick onto that um, like onto that bandwagon but I think that the the most common problem is that you are want to show someone something and they already have a way to do that like they already have like a pattern or a way that they would solve that problem where they need to select certain variables or create new variables or create a certain kind of plot so i think that there's like that's one sort of type of barrier i guess like i i already have a solution to this why should i invest more time um and then i think the other one is um maybe people who've come from another language, so they have a different way of thinking about solving these problems. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure, do you have anything to... I don't know. No, I, mean, I think the, so a lot of the conflict over where to start and mm. for, for new users comes from the conflict between our understanding of who these new users are. Mm. Um, and I think because depending on where you come from, things make more or less sense. Uh, and I think people who come from... Uh, and also kind of what they need. Like if they're coming to R looking for something in particular, then uh, then you, it's better to kind of give them that thing. And I think nowadays more people are coming to R as like the first thing that they use to analyze data, hmm. right? And so that's a very different need than like people who have been analyzing data for 30 years and are coming to R, 
right? Um, which is kind of what things were in the past. And so, um, or as opposed to like, I'm a statistician and I want to implement my new method. Hmm. Um, and so what language should I use for that? Well, I don't even, maybe R is not even the language you use for that. But, um, but so I think, so I think it's like, you're, so the idea that there's this conflict between what should be done, I think it's, it's a little bit confounded by the idea that there's, there's different people out there and they have different needs. Hmm. Um, and it's hard to, especially given that the community has gotten so big over time, it's hard to kind of jam everyone into a single, you know, bin. Hmm. So what do you teach your undergrad students, Roger? Well, I don't teach undergrad, so I got out of that problem. <laughs> <laughs> so all of your students know already? <laughs> well, I teach an introductory class to graduate students. Um, and, um, and most of those are people who are coming in kind of, and this is their, this is their one and only package, you know. Um, it, helps, it helps that it's free, obviously. Um, and so... I think in that context, it makes sense to like to, to kind of give people the tidyverse allow and teach them how to you know do data wrangling and all that stuff um, because they're going to need that in their dissertations and whatever it is. Um, and so I, I didn't used to teach it that way just because it didn't exist before, but now that it does, it's like it's actually a lot easier because that's kind of what they want to know. Has like how do I how do I you know summarize data? Um, most do you think of, it's faster for them to get to sort of like the stage where they actually get results out? Yeah, I think for, if you like starting from zero, I think it's definitely a lot faster um, because you don't have to teach them like this kind of annoying aspects of the programming language, which of course are important later on, but are not important for that. And it used to be whenever I taught kind of basic data management, you know, in kind of before the tidyverse tools were available, like you just couldn't get very far without teaching them like what's a dollar sign or what's a double bracket versus a single bracket or, you know, and you just, you, you can't teach them that without all those little details. And so once you're teaching these little details, then it's like, then you're just teaching the programming language at some point. And so, um, and so all those things kind of got confounded together. Now you still, you sometimes need that, but almost for the basic operations now, you don't really need to, to get into that if they just want to like summarize data. Like I think like, like <laughs> for so, oh, sorry, just one example. I mean, just yeah. the idea of like, Splitting a data frame into subgroups and then taking like the average within those subgroups. I mean, it was you could not teach that without explaining like how to su what subset operators were, right? Yeah. Uh, with you know, so it's like, and then all of a sudden you're down, you're going down this rabbit hole, and you've lost the whole lecture. <laughs> you know, it's like, and so just that one, just like a basic group by summarize. Um, it was just like it's just a pain in the neck to do before. Anyway. Hmm. No, it definitely is. I mean, still when I look at my code and I'm. I'm a square bracket user, so um, yeah, it looks awful, and it takes it. It might take a long time to actually get there, and a lot of sort of code or also not reproducible code often, because you're like, oh, I just need that column. I'm just gonna put a six in there because mm. I know it's like the sixth column. Right. But then you run it again, and it might have changed, and you're like, ah, oh, it's not that. Yeah, yeah. And so, it, yeah, it definitely. It's definitely a lot easier if you use dplyr for things like that. Hmm. Uh, we're now going to talk about stuff that doesn't work so okay. well, I think. Um, also, sorry, Nick, we have not followed your structure. That's totally fine. This is this is good. It's organic, you know. It's, it's organic like, yeah. now. Yeah. So we're going. Th so. Where are we on the outline? <laughs> no, we're nowhere. On okay. The <laughs> We had, right. a, we had an outline. We were trying to make this easier for everyone, but no. <laughs> no I think um, this, is, this is good. All right, all right. But where are you? 
So I want to talk about things that don't work so well. Okay. And um, or that people perceive, and I want to you know your opinions about about this. Um, okay. So I found this Reddit post with people that clearly dislike tidyverse. <laughs> and their biggest dislike. Like people are unhappy on Reddit. Yeah. Oh. I, I could I could barely believe it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. So. I think there were three um, reoccurring themes that came up. So they said they didn't like debugging with the pipe operator because it makes things complicated and obscure things. Mm -hmm. Um, Tidyverse doesn't work very well for large data sets, is what they said. Um, And the last thing said that code can break with updates. Mm -hmm. I think that was a big, possibly the biggest gripe. Sure. So I think that um, like I can pick up on the third one there. So code breaking with updates. Um, so this is like this comes from Hadley's point of um, the tidyverse being um, he would rather have something that is striving for like this utopian idea of it, like of all these things working. If it means he has to burn it all down again, and he would like, and he said like he would rather you like curse him for five minutes and then be able to fix your problem. Um, rather than like having to maintain a lot of backwards com- uh, compatibility. And that's sort of the trade-off between R and the, the packages that R has. Like R is this, R has to be at a slower pace because it has to maintain this backward compatibility, it has to be very stable, whereas the benefit of having these extra packages is that you can try out these new things and you can experiment more. So I think that it is just part of the nature of it, but I think that it has been, I feel like there is less breaking parts now um, but I have certainly experienced that, and it is frustrating. Um, and it brings up a whole different set of problems. Um, so that was like the third thing you said. So things yeah. breaking. Okay, so and then the other two. I'm, so debugging with the pipe, I think hmm. this was interesting to me because I've also heard the opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, so my dad, who is a recent convert to Dplyr. Your dad? Oh, my dad. Okay, yeah. right, this is great. So this is, right. <laughs> fun for the whole family. Yeah, right? fun for the whole family. Yeah. No, so he's... so. He had this idea of um, he wanted to teach his fellow undergraduate, well, not actually graduate students, yeah. um, an R course in statistics. And um, he st- and I said to him, if you are doing this and these people have never seen R, you need to use Dplyr. And he mm. was he had also never used Dplyr before, much like me. Um, and he took like a duck to water to it. He loved it immediately. Mm. And... <laughs> This is what his students are now, or like his fellow graduate students are now mm. using. Mm. And he's always said to me, look, it makes it so much easier with the pipe to like debug because I can put a view in mm. after a pipe and see what sort of the intermediate result looks like. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, so this was really baffling to me when I saw this. So, yeah, I, I, I think the the, the the idea of debugging is interesting one because it, it leads to a broader issue, which I think is the kind of pr- programming in the kind of world of non-standard evaluation. Um, so, I mean, I see Dplyr and the various like pipe and the pipe operator and the things that you can kind of put together as kind of a high level, uh, high, uh, kind of a high level tool in the sense that you know if you want to interact with data. Uh, and do things with it. You kind of, you kind of use these functions at the highest level. Um, but then once you kind of, you know, send them down one level and you write a function on top of that, right? Now you're programming. But then like, 
things get a little bit more complicated. Like you don't have to debug when you're just typing things at the command line, so to speak, right? Or, or writing things in a file. Uh, there's no real debugging, so to speak, I think. I, I don't know. I'm not sure what kind of debugging they're talking about in the thread. But, no, I'm um, pretty sure that's the difference is exactly what you're talking about. It's the difference between programming or just doing interactive analysis. Right. So if you, I think if you put a long pipe in a function that is then being called by someone and you need to figure out like where the problem occurred, it's a different. It's a very different um, kind of problem to solve to figure out like where the problem occurred in this long pipe. And I think um, I think the the people at our studio have made, have recently kind of gone through a lot of effort to figure out like, what are the mechanics of programming in this kind of paradigm when you have non-standard evaluation and you have all these other kind of aspects. And so, so, there's, so there's been a lot of like infrastructure that's needed to be kind of rebuilt. Mm. Um, just when you when you just take all these ideas and push them down one level into a function, yeah. um, whereas like the base language is kind of that's kind of what it's designed for, um, and it's like and it, so it doesn't have the other parts, which is like the data analysis parts, right? The interactive data analysis parts, but it does have like the low level programming parts, hmm. uh, which are in, which you could argue are like you know quote easier to debug. Yeah. Now you've mentioned hmm. not stand not stand non standard evaluations, and we are. Like again in the more complex <laughs> themes yeah. of this podcast, where I always get lost. Um, what is non-standard evaluation? Yes. That, okay, so we had a. Were, did you? Yeah. Were you going to say something before that though? Uh, no, like I, I just wanted to chime in about this. So this is great. Um, so it's. I think the the simplest way I've heard it expressed is, it is, when you refer to things in R that don't have quotes around them. It's basically the, it's like the bare names. If you do something. And then a dollar, and then the name, uh, and like there's no quotes around it. That's non-standard evaluation, and it's this kind of special thing in R. It's not it's not in every language, um, and it becomes a problem later on when you're writing functions because it's not clear which like if you have a bare name, how does it know like what that belongs to? Um, what you're referring to, yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, so what you're referring to, like in a data frame, so you need to do these kind of careful things and there's sort of some more um like there's a bit more of a buy-in you have to understand a few more programming concepts to then understand how these things work so then you can manipulate them um but i just want to add on to the the programming with the pipe thing because i think that like you do have these benefits where you get to you can jump in mid mid pipe and then like do something and i think that's a really nice feature of it in the interactive analysis and maybe more people don't know about that but i think that there are some plans in the future to make the pipe a bit better for that sort of thing um anyway we're jumping around a bit sorry um do you have anything to add to non-standard evaluation Roger? is that no. like, i find this really hard it's a really hard i think it yeah i think everyone finds it hard. It, it was hard before and it was hard it will continue to be hard i think um because just like the idea that like you have symbols and names and and they're not. They could be different, or they could be the same. You know. So, um, and I think, but I think that's a big part of what makes the tidyverse great for data analysis. Is is I, like sometimes I, I've joked in the past that it should be called the non-standard evaluation verse, yeah. because it it is what allows you to go so quickly through like data manipulation without having to quote all the variables or you know because like you know before we had this you know you had to like bracket and then double quote all the variable names or whatever and. It's not like there's anything wrong with that, but it's just so much slower as a pain in the neck, and yeah. just be able to like type out variable names and say group by this and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just um, it's just so much more fluid, and I think that's it's a huge difference. But in order to implement that, you really have to you have to do this non-standard evaluation, which under the hood is kind of a pain in the neck. Yeah. Um, but if you're just using dplyr functions, it's it's great. You know, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. 
yeah, it's also one of the biggest differences, obviously, between base and using um, tidy. The tidyverse is how non-standard evaluation is done because there are two different packages, as I or two uh, different not packages. What would I? I would two say different yeah. ways of doing it. Yeah, so it, it gets a little bit because there was this whole before the recent changes in the tidyverse. There's um, there was this lazy eval approach, which was a different approach to non-standard evaluation. Uh, and that was its own package. Um, and then there was other... And, but I, I would say that R still uses non-standard evaluation. It's just that it's, I would say it's, it's very, very present in the tidyverse functions. But I think one example would be the, uh, the formula interface in R. So if you write right. like a linear model and you write Y tilde X1 plus X2, then that's non-standard evaluation. And, there's, um, and I think that has to do actually with the fact that the tilde operator in R is this really special thing. It basically will... Like allow that to happen, but it's kind of this this thing where you come across it later on when you want to be able to change that programmatically, and it becomes this really weird thing. Like, how do I like insert all of the things I want into a like um, into a formula? Um, it's also used in plotting. Um, yeah, if you want to put like a, like LaTeX notation in your plot, um, you can do some downstairity evaluation there. Yeah, um, that's where I saw it first, and then I've so also quote, used yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, uh, it feels really good when you get LaTeX code to show up in your plot, but I feel like it's always this, like, it's to me it's similar to regular expressions. It's kind of like this thing where I need to learn this whole thing, and then I'd kind of forget about it. Yeah, it's also <laughs> mystical. I always have to look it up, and then sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah, there's like... I always like, have, a, like, a mixed feeling when I get, like, math on the plot, because it's like, yes, I got it to work, but, like... Was it really worth it? Yeah, yeah. You know, like <laughs> Someone really needs to write a package that makes that easier. I, I feel like there is one, but yeah, I don't know. It's always, probably is there's a certain amount of backslash that need to write. I feel like that's just, uh, I don't know. Like when you get to a third backslash, I feel like you're just kind of like, is like, you know, this is very confusing. It's like you're in some kind of rabbit hole somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, but that's actually probably the best way of explaining mm. non-standard evaluation to people that only know bases. Yeah, mm. you've used it when you put your weird math into a plot. Yeah, <laughs> and you and you use the B quote function. Yeah. Right. Ever did? I still don't really know what that does. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the memory function. is coming back, oh. flooding. Well, so I think like those functions, along with like things like eval, substitute, and all those, and a couple of functions like that, were like they were the traditional way of doing of of writing code that involved non-standard evaluation. Mm. And I think like there's been a separate, like through the Rlang package, for example, has been a separate effort to kind of implement a different a kind of approach to kind of writing not functions that deal with non-standard evaluation. So you're not doing like eval substitute and all that kind of stuff, mm. but rather they have these like closures and things like that, um, that are mm. hopefully, that are hopefully kind of more consistent and kind of easier to understand. Mm. Yeah, and that's what Tidy obviously uses. Yeah. So yeah. that's the two ways that I was referring to earlier. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, and on that note, I think it's worthwhile. Like, it is a bit of a struggle sometimes if you have this this deep layer code and then you want to wrap that in a function and then it's hard because you have to handle these closures and, and all these things. Um, there's a package called Friendly Eval that helps with this and it allows you just to write, say, treat input as column or something like that. And that kind of quote unquote like, just works. Um, as you expect, but that's built on top of Arlang. So yeah. it's sort of these, these other, yeah. It is tricky for the for the beginner because like, it's in some ways an R. I don't know if this is, this is good and bad. Like it's mm. very easy to go right to like mm. writing a function. 
right? But then if yeah. you're used to using dplyr and then you just like, oh, I'm just gonna wrap it in a function, yeah. all of a sudden everything's different. And, yeah, and that's and so mm-hmm. it is a bit of a shock, I think, for, yeah. for newcomers. It is, and I had this exact same experience. I sat down to teach a group. They're like, all right, let's let's show you how to run an R package. And someone's like, great, I've got all this dplyr code, and I'm just going to turn it into these functions, and it's going to be awesome. And I was like, <laughs> I'm wasn't. so sorry. This is like the wrong, this is precisely the wrong thing. I I don't have time to, yeah, like, and it was like, I didn't, it's hard to teach, it's hard to explain. Like, yeah, and it was at that point very new with programming with dplyr, and so... Yeah, I think as a learner, that can be a problem. And I think what I like about this is that it seems like the people at our studio are pretty confident with saying, hey, we know that this isn't as good. Like, we know that it's hard to teach and like, and they're working on it. But um, well, Also, like, you know, whether it's a problem, you know, is there's a little kind of, it's not entirely clear because it's not, you know, not everyone says goes from like day one I'm writing dplyr code to day two I'm writing functions. Like I mean, mm-hmm. most people can actually go quite a while without having write, written a function, right? Yeah. So, um, so it it could be that for many people it just never comes up. Um, yeah, it's like what what's the problem that you're solving really, and who's going to benefit? And, yeah. yeah. But that said, you know, as the community continues to grow and mm-hmm. become more heterogeneous, and people's needs kind of get more varied. Um, it will become, I think, that problem will will arise sooner because I think more people will want to start programming hmm. in this style, yep. and uh, and so it'll it'll come up. People will run into next problem, and their code won't work. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just a, but that's just the natural evolution of the system, I think. Yeah. Hmm. Also, that leaves us with number two, which was large data sets that people don't like hmm. the tidyverse because they feel like it doesn't work for large data sets. And that's certainly sort of the community that I'm in, bioinformatics, partially because I guess we have all sort of legacy, I guess, more thinking or concepts, and that's why we don't use it. And also because for a long time, we were sort of the area where we were using large data sets. Certainly isn't anymore the case. We're not at all the large data set crowd anymore because those people are the people that have website data, Hmm. I think. Um, but we f- still feel like we are. Um, and so this is probably the thing that is most used, uh, most sort of said about uh, about Tidyverse in my community is that, oh, yeah, you can't really use it well because we deal with really large data sets. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, what's everyone feel about that? Uh, I would say that, so I feel that it's, if you have really, really big data and dplyr doesn't work then i would do something like data.table uh and i think that you know it is it is annoying to like you have to change ways of thinking about how to solve a problem um so for those who don't know so data.table is um a similar-ish um approach to data munging and um wrangling um but it has a different underlying philosophy other than dplyr so it it does this thing called modify in place um, so it means that um, basically you aren't having to copy as much things into memory, uh, which is very fast, but um, it's a different approach. So you, instead of, say, having your data and then assigning it to, like, and then doing some munging and you assign that to an object in R with data.table, you just write the code and then it modifies the, the function in place, uh, sorry, the data in place. Uh, and, and as a result, it can do a lot of other things much faster, but that... Um, then means that you can't do as many of the the functional things that you can do in our um, in in the tidyverse. So I think that they're different philosophies, um, but 
yeah, I think things with big data, I don't think there's like ever really going to be like a panacea, but um, yeah, but. I think R has had like a two decades long struggle with large data sets, right? It's not like a unique problem for Dplyr or the the tidyverse. And I think um, it's just one of those things where like, you know, I think there are always trade-offs for any system that you use. And I think Dplyr trades off um, like simplicity for a little bit of efficiency. I think using data frames is, it does, does, is perhaps less efficient than say using a matrix or something like that. But, um, but you get all these benefits too. So, um, it, you know, it kind of, again, it kind of depends on what your needs are and like what you're doing with it. I think um, if you if you have trouble like you know analyzing a certain kind of data and you need more fine control, then you might have to kind of drop out to kind of more complex R code or custom 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 code to deal with a large data set. And the, I think the fact that R allows you to do that is a benefit, right? It's like you don't only have to use the <laughs> tidyverse, right? Mm. If you need to break out of it, you just you can just do it. Mm. Um, and uh, so it's um, so you, you get the best of both worlds there. Most software systems you would have to choose, um, and so yeah, well choose between doing it or not doing it is what I mean. And so I think um, it's uh, I don't know. It's like I think so. It, it's a bit of a false choice in R because you have access to everything. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, I, I I feel like with the large data sets, I'm a bit I'm a bit skeptical that this is valid sort of a valid concern. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you super super large data sets, certainly, but that at least for my area, I don't think we are a I don't think we do have really large data sets any longer, mm-hmm. and you know, and that's also reflected by the fact that we do now see packages that are trying to apply the concepts of tidy to bioinformatics data like PlyRangers, mm-hmm. which is nice to see. Mm. So it will be interesting to see whether there will be a shift in the community that I'm in, sort of much like the, the sort of data modeling world where people have very much shifted to the tidyverse, whether we will see this just a couple of years later. Mm. Well, I wonder, like, you know, like as you get more RAM in your computer, how much, like, you know, I feel like I'm not ever sure if you're ever going to have a not big data problem. Like, I think... Big data is this thing that's come around as being like a new problem, but it has been a problem since the start of like of any data analysis, right? Like, yeah, know, it's like it's why I don't know, like the so the U.S. Census they couldn't analyze all the data, um, it, like they were trying to count all the information, uh, and then they had to change from hand coding things to using a punch code system. So they had like a big, like a quote unquote, a big data problem, and that was I know in like the late eighteen hundreds or something like that. Like, like it's been around for a while. Um, so big data isn't like a new problem and you know I think that with with more RAM like we might be able to make you know the medium data I don't know like it like we're going to get there but I, I think it's always going to be a problem and I'm not sure if there's ever going to be like the quote-unquote package to solve it but it's definitely always going to be a problem because I, I used to think that like oh well this problem will be solved by just bigger better computers mm. but the problem is that as computers get bigger and better, they also they also get smaller and smaller, right? And so, like you know, there's like the, there's no desktop computer in this office, right? And so um, it's it, so I think our yes, computers will get more memory, but we'll also be like trying to do things on our phone in the future or whatever in the future. Yeah. Um, and so there's always going to be some trade off, you know, yeah. um, even though the technology does get better. Um, like now, I want to do it on my laptop, you know, but this only has 16 gigabytes of memory, so yeah. Um, have you ever tried to... Has anyone used R on their phone? Is that possible? <laughs> uh, I know David Robinson wrote an R package on his phone. I think purely just 
to. Well, you don't you don't need to use R to write an R package, right? Uh, well, well, yeah, it depends how good you <laughs> well, are. You wanna, unless you want to test it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's true. You could just. So he wrote it on his phone. I don't know how he did it, but I think it was just like. I'm not sure if he wrote it in response to someone saying that you would never do this um, <laughs> or if he had already done it and then someone said that you would never do it and he said, actually, uh, and then had like this thing on his phone. Um, <laughs> All the versions that I've ever seen were not executing R on the phone. They were executing R in some cloud server. Um, yeah. So I've never seen R executed on the phone. No, that's a good point, actually, uh, yeah. Yeah, I sort of forget that, right? Like the cloud just makes it seem like you know it's it's right there. <laughs> it's all the same, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's just someone else's computer. I do recall that someone got it working on a PlayStation, though. Um, wow, I don't remember who that was. Which version of R was it? R one point? Oh, like, it was quite a while ago, yeah. actually. And maybe you can use that to you know yeah, right. get R working on a on a low version. Yeah. Oh well. How are we going with? <laughs> yeah, the, I think we are. Good. Or we're nearly right. Actually, I just wanted oh, you to want to say. Something. I want to say yes. that uh, this idea of it being called the Tardiverse is actually only pretty recent. Um, so it was in at Uzar in Stanford in 2016. Um, had the a keynote and he um, he talked about specifically the idea that it was called the Hadleyverse before this, which was not his idea. It was just that he wrote a lot of packages and he uh, very much disliked this name and then he showed it like a little animation on this keynote we can put it in the show notes where like the Hadleyverse burnt down on the screen and then the Tardyverse sort of like flashed up and it was this new thing and I think it's this idea of once you have a name for something like sort of in a similar way to have a name for what tidy data is it's a lot easier to latch on to that idea and then I think that as a result if you have this thing called the Tardyverse it's this thing that's like uh, you can think about contributing to it you like it it has a name so there's more more things you can do with it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It has a name and a fan base. And also we should mm. mention that the Tidyverse is actually a package that also just loads these 79 other mm. packages, essentially. Well, yeah. I think it'll... Not all 79, right? It'll install... If you install .packages Tidyverse, um, it'll install all of those packages. But then if you load it in library, it'll just load a set number. I think it's like 14 or 15. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is a little bit confusing, but I think it, it's also nice to type that so you don't have to type library like 15 times and then load all of your different things. Um, actually, that's a great example of non-standard evaluation. You can type library and then the package name with no quotes, but if you want to do installed at packages, you have to use quotes. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's like usually half a lecture right there. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why is this different? Well... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, that's, no, I'm uh, just going over all my <laughs> painted suffering for the last 15 years. I yeah. Think until this morning, I never thought about it. I was just like, oh, this is one of these like things that I know, uh, whatever. Yeah. Well, it's like I I had a brief reading group about it, and it was it was really hard, and it was like I wanted to try and see if we could break down non-standard evaluation into some kind of like you know comic strip, but it's like. It's hard. Like, yeah, there's no way to explain all of these things. Um, and if you really want to have fun, try loading packages in a loop. Oh, does it work? Uh, well, so if you have like the name of the package stored in a variable name, oh, yeah. and then you do library that variable name, yeah. what happens? <laughs> <laughs> all right, sorry, it's not a pop quiz. <laughs> anyway, we could talk about it. We'll, we'll we'll have the answer on the next episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Nick will have the answer because <laughs> he's currently trying. And oh, do we have anything else to mention, or should we just finish up with saying that we're going to be 
hopefully recording some more stuff at the USAR conference that mm. Nick and me are going to. And also Roger will be there giving a keynote, I yeah. believe. Looking forward to it. Mm. Do you yeah. know what you're talking about? I mean, as soon as I figure it out, I'll be looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you see... If you see Anibis and Yuzar, we'd love to have a chat. And yeah. 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 Come come find us. Um, tell us um, all the things that we said wrong in yeah. this podcast. Um, where we can improve. Oh, and you can email us on... Um, oh, you can on, email us. Yeah, on incrediblycurious at gmail.com. You could also DM us on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. What's at, the Twitter account? At Curious, I believe. Oh, okay. yeah. I think I knew we, that. Yeah, yeah. No, like, this is, it's it, completely it, new. Yeah, it's it's very new, and then it will very soon be coming to the place where you get podcasts. Um, <laughs> the place where you get podcasts. Yeah, there's like like there's one store. It's like Amazon. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's cool. It. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. All right, thank you guys. Yeah, well, thank you so much, Roger, for coming along. Oh, yeah, great. My pleasure. Mm. Yeah, it was great. Thanks, Roger. Mm-hmm. Bye. <laughs> Bye.